My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. We are excited to welcome our guest, Marie. Marie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We are excited to hear your story and we want to just dive right in. And we want to hear what you went through and how you overcame the challenge of losing your husband. So let's just start. Have you tell us about him? Well, um, Rob and I met in college and um, we were married in 1987. We have two adult sons and they're now late twenties. Um, we raised our family outside of Seattle before coming to Salt Lake city area in 2014. And I don't know what you want to know about our story. We are ninth, we're eighth cousins as well as spouses. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of um, and you know, life was just sort of rolling along. We, like I said, we were married in 87. So in 2020, we were coming up on our 33rd anniversary. So wow. To start here, Rob was really working on trying to get himself back into better health because he had put on an enormous, let's got to be honest, an enormous amount of weight. Um, so he was working on that with some diet and exercise and just started feeling off, feeling like the diet plan he was using was, was making him sick or it might have been the meds. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic when doctors didn't want to see you unless you were gushing blood from every oh. orifice. So the doctor he had was trying to put him off and do telemed. And finally I put my foot down and said, you get in and you get blood work. We need to find out what's going on. So he went in, got blood work and they never got back to him. You know, wow. usually, you get, usually you get the results the next day and he didn't get the results the next day. So his sister who lives in Seattle was a retired nephrologist, a kidney doc, kidney doctor. She and I both said, look, you got to change doctors. So we went to my doctor and had the same blood tests. And 24 hours later, my doctor was calling him and saying, go to the hospital. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go to the hospital. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't remember the exact marker, but there was a marker in his blood, which was a protein marker that basically indicated he was in congestive heart failure. Wow. So I said, do I take him to any hospital? They said, which one's closest? This was the end of April, 2020. So by taking him to the hospital, what I did was I took him to literally the door of the ER and they didn't let me go any further. I could not go past the intake. Oh my gosh. And that's the last time I saw him alive. Wow. He was in the hospital for less than 24 hours. We texted a few times. He texted the next morning and asked me to bring him his phone charger. And that's the last message I even got from him. Less than 24 hours later, the hospital was saying, well, now that he's on life support and now that we're doing chest compressions, you can come be with him. Oh my so gosh. That's when I went in with my youngest son. And we had to make the decision whether we we're going to try and transfer him to a different facility, do all these heroic things, or if we we're going to not um, resuscitate. 
Wow. And let me tell you, the worst, <laughs> there's only one thing worse than burying your spouse. It's burying them in the middle of a pandemic. But I, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself now. <laughs> so I got on the phone with his sister because she's a medical doctor. And I said, hey, the, can you please talk to the, the doctor here at the hospital and give me a second opinion, essentially? Because I knew she would give me a honest assessment. And the doctor told her the same thing he told me. And she says, there's nothing we can do. So I had to let him go. My God. We had no inkling that this was coming down the path. At least I didn't. Um, he, was ha- he was having a lot of issues, but I didn't realize it was anything this serious. And so, yeah. and so less quickly. than 24 hours from dropping off at the hospital to signing the papers after he passed was just absolutely surreal. Yeah. And to dramatic. Do it in the middle of a pandemic was just the worst, the absolute worst. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened in a nutshell. And it wasn't anything we expected, but I feel like it was almost something I was prepared for in a way. Wow. Um, Why do you say that? Well, a lot of reasons. I've always worked, even when we were raising our children. I've always had a job. Of even if it was just three days a week, four days a week, um, a school year um, job, I always had a job. So I feel like because of that, I was a lot more, um, I wasn't left wondering how I was going to support myself. It might not be the same standard of living that I had before, but I knew I could at least support myself. And so he passed the end of April. And in January, I kept thinking, we need to exchange passwords. We need to know where every, where Rob needs to know all my accounts, even though we had banking together and everything, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, your, your employer's 401k plan, all those different things that you have accounts for. Yeah. I, got the, I just had this st- strong impression that we needed to exchange account information and make sure that I had all his passwords and he had all mine. And he looked at me really funny when I said, we need to exchange passwords. And, I, and when he looked at me, I said, don't you remember? My dad passed in 2017. And he was self-employed. He was a photographer. And creative minds are seldom tidy. So his financial life was a mess. He had no will. He was divorced from my mother. We didn't have any of his passwords. Let me tell you how much fun that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It was a big mess. So... I just felt like it was time to get our passwords. So I had a list of every single account. All of his retirement accounts at his employer, everything. I had, I had all those passwords and that made things so much easier to not have to um, try and guess, try and, you know, have to submit a death certificate to get access to things. Um, So, so that was another reason. Another thing that I feel I was kind of being prepared for, that's that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Well, thank you very much for sharing yeah. all of the, the details are so interesting. So after he passed away, what was your biggest financial hurdle that you needed to overcome? You had that list of passwords and that had to be very helpful, but what, what was hard? What, what did well, you have to figure out? My biggest financial hurdle was I lost two thirds of my household income. Yeah. Like that. And because of his health and because of his weight, 
the only health, the only life insurance he had was the default amount that his employer gave him. Okay. Because he could not qualify for anything additional based on his health and his, you know, he would not have been a good risk for any life insurance company. So I only had about 50,000 in life insurance. Got it. Wow. Which luckily took care of a lot of things, but there's so many things you have to figure out, you know, burial and closing all of his accounts and which accounts do you roll over into an IRA and which accounts do you cash out? And you know, how, how are you, there's a lot more that you don't realize until you're there. I mean, what do you do with his car? Yeah. What do you do with, you know, cell phone is easy. You cancel the cell phone. Although it wasn't as easy because all four of our family, all five of our family lines were under his name. Oh, wow. So trying to get his turned off and keep all of our phone numbers the same. That was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> I, even, you know, we had joint checking account. I still have his name on my joint checking and that's turned out to be a good thing. Um, <laughs> but I had a chase credit card that I used, you know, for all the household expenses and I'd pay it off every month. Even though I had a card with my name on it, my name wasn't on the bill. Yeah. So when I called, he had a separate um, credit account, credit card through also through Chase that he just used for his personal, his Amazon stuff. Um, so when I called to cancel that, they canceled the other one too. And I'm like, um, no, 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 no. I use this for everything. They're like, sorry, it's in his name. They said, have you ever seen the bill for that account? I says, yeah. Is your name on it? Um, no. So... <laughs> Luckily I had another credit card I had another way of, of, you know, paying, of paying for my, my groceries and all the stuff I would put on a credit card. Um, but that was a big shock to me too. So there's so many little things you don't, you don't realize, um, yeah. that you have to go through. So but it does prove challenging. Like you said, all those small things coming up, I didn't even think about the cell phone line being in his name and then you needing to you know, move all of your phone numbers <laughs> so that they still worked, but disconnecting his, yeah, definitely comes with surprises. For and sure. because his death was quite shocking, like how did you, um, I'm sure it was an emotionally challenging time. Like, did you have a good support team or who was there to help you kind of make these decisions? Um, well, my youngest son lived with me. And my oldest son is in Texas, where I am now. Um, and then Rob's brother actually lived in the area, about 45 minutes away. And okay. everybody else, it was all just phone calls and video calls because it was COVID. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, it, was, it was the lockdown, lockdown part of COVID. Uh-huh. You know, school in Utah was still vir- 100% virtual at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't even have a funeral at our church. Oh my because God. the church building was not allowed to be used. We had 20 people at the graveside, and that's all the funeral directors would allow us to have. Oh, my gosh. So, like I said, the only thing worse than burying a spouse is burying them during a pandemic. Yeah. When all of the things that you come to expect, all of those norms, that the process that you go through, you didn't have the, the big... Ch- um, church funeral. You didn't have the, the, you know, I don't want to say viewing cause I don't, I wouldn't have done a viewing for him anyway. Viewings are not my thing, but you don't have <laughs> that time to interact with all your friends, you know, 
Mm-hmm. So many friends and family couldn't gather with us because of, of that clampdown of the pandemic. So it was a really tough time, but we still got loaded with flowers, loaded with meals. My neighbors, my church community, my friends, they all really rallied around us despite the fact that we were in that horrible lockdown state. Um, I have to say that financially, Nicole was a huge, huge help to me because mm-hmm. you're not thinking straight at that point. Um, yeah. So she helped me make a list of all the, of all the assets that I had, you know, the life insurance, um, the money from selling his car, um, the, the, the 401k from both his current job and from the job he had just left, you know, what to do with that money, how to, you know, how, how to, how to allocate that going forward. So, um, there was a lot of things I didn't think about that, um, Nicole had these great logical, Oh wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Type of, um, suggestions for me. And I think it's worked out so far pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing great. Well, tell me when you would come to these meetings with your financial advisor, Nicole, did you, uh, what was your mindset going in? Were you just like, please help me or how, how did you feel? (laughs) Well, I sort of had what I thought was a plan. Um, Oh, let's pay off the house. Let's pay off the solar panels. Let's do all this stuff. And she's like, whoa, 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 slow down. (laughs) Um, Let's do this. And this is why she didn't just say you should have this much money in an emergency fund or this much money in a a buffer fund. She said, this is what I would do. And this is why. Um, So we did pay off the solar panels, which was great because I was, um, I had a home equity line to finish paying those off. Um, Okay. We paid off the solar panels, but then I put some money aside because even though I had, I was working at the time, um, I was only working a two, a 192 day contract for a school district. So on paper, it didn't look like I was going to be able to meet my expenses. So she helped me set aside some money that I could dip into if I was short. Um, but I was surprised the number of expenses that went away, you know, really I sold his car. I didn't have to insure it anymore. I didn't have to put yeah. gas in it anymore. Um, the cell phone plan went from five lines to four. Um, when you're making, two, you know, when you're only making a third of what you used to make, your charitable donations to your your religious institution, for example, g- goes down. Uh-huh. You know, um, so we each had sort of an allowance, a certain amount of money each month that was just ours, and we didn't have to answer to each other about. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to take an allowance anymore because I was just answering to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have to give him an allowance because he wasn't, you know, we didn't have, he didn't have an allowance because he was no longer here. So that might seem a little crass to think about things that way, but there was a lot of things, a lot of expenses that went away because now instead of being three people in the household, there was only two people in the household. And instead of having three cars, there's only two cars. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things, no, that, that makes things that you didn't expect. So it worked out better than I had hoped. Yeah. Um, my employer was able to get me a longer contract as well. So that, that helped out also. And um, I learned a lot of things about what's a real need and what's just a want. Uh-huh. And granted, it was during the pandemic. So eating out really wasn't, necess- wasn't necessarily <laughs> possible. Yeah. We used to eat out way too often. And now 
Um, I don't eat hot. I, I eat out so rarely, so rarely. Good for you. Um, you know, do you need a cable package that has 600 channels that you don't watch? You, yeah. you probably don't. <laughs> um, so I just, I took a really hard look at everything in my budget and said, is this a need or is this a want? And I was able to, you know, pair back quite a bit there too. Just by yeah, focusing on what's really necessary. No, that makes sense. When he passed away, did you wonder like, will I make it or am I going to be okay? Or did you feel pretty confident in, in your abilities to, to handle your finances and make ends meet? What was your mindset? I, I was pretty confident, to be honest with you. From day one, don't ask me why, but I've always been the one who sat down and paid the bills. Yeah. And even though we haven't had, quote, quote, a budget where I can, you know, I'm sure Nicole wants me to have one, but I don't really have like a spreadsheet or anything where I, where I track and budget yeah. things. But I've always been the one who pays the bills. I've always been the one who's done the grocery shopping. And um, so I know how to manage day-to-day finances. So that so was I no felt, shock. Yeah. I felt like between what I was building up in savings from all these different sources um, and being a little frugal, that, yeah, I was going to be okay. That's great. That's awesome. You have that good mindset. Let's talk about, you said your role during your marriage was, you know, paying those bills and that sort of thing. Who took care of the investments and kind of headed that up? Or was it both of you? Uh, Hi, was you? Yeah, it me. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, were kind I mean, of already very Rob, involved. Yeah. Rob was involved. I would say that's more equal. I was the one who said when we moved to Utah, we need to get a will which mm-hmm. we did. We need to get a trust, which we did. And we need to get a financial advisor, which we did mm-hmm. because we had lived in the Seattle area for 20 years and it was so expensive there. We really hadn't done much towards retirement because it was just, you know, keeping our, our two teenage swimmer boys fed and, <laughs> and, you know, just living expenses. there were so crazy. So when we moved to Utah where our house payment was lower and we had all these a better financial circumstance. That's when we really got into having a financial planner. Got it. So you kind of made that decision or you, you initiated, you know, I initiated and he agreed. Yeah. Let's let's (laughs) say that. And so when you would come and meet with your financial advisor, you were both involved with discussing how things should be invested and that kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. In fact, our, our financial advisor came to us. It was really quite nice. (laughs) Um, yeah rob rob was very very invested if you will in the investment part of it too that makes sense Um, okay so when he passed away you had a a clear idea of where all your assets were because you've been meeting with your financial advisor and and you were very involved yes with with making those decisions that's actually not that's not super common that's really impressive you were so involved (laughs) Uh, that's not the case for everyone. So yeah, well, again, maybe that's just part of the preparation that yeah. you know, led up to it. Yes, for sure. What did you, what would you say you learned about yourself um, as you took on these challenges after Rob passed away? I don't know. Since I've always worked and always paid the bills and sort of always been on top of the finances. I don't know that I learned a lot about myself financially mm-hmm. other than, like I said, the needs versus wants and how I could, um, you know, I don't miss the things that I don't buy anymore. That's, yeah. okay, that's what I've learned. It's all <laughs> just stuff. Uh, okay. 
bless his little heart, Rob was a magpie. He was a squirrel. <laughs> he was, I, I'm not going to call him a hoarder, but he was definitely a magpie and a squirrel. He liked to collect <laughs> all the things. Um, and it really rankled me. And I, I would say if there was anything that we never really saw eye to eye on in 33 years of marriage, was it was how to spend our discretionary income. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray does not mean you have to own it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I learned a lot about it's all just stuff as I was um, going through all of his things. And like I said, he, he collected everything. He collected movies and TV shows. He collected Legos. He had a massive wood shop, which was a woodworker's dream. And he did use it a lot. But as I'm going through all these things and I'm going through it with the boys, you know, what do you want of your dad's? Um, so much of it to them was just stuff. You know, as I dug a little deeper into the storage area and I found jars of ash from Mount St. Helens, that had a lot of meaning to him because he lived in that area. That ash was collected from his back deck and okay. from the route from Seattle to, to Utah the summer that it happened. Wow. And to me, it had meaning because I remembered it too. But to my boys, it's sand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if I had any advice for anybody, regardless of whether you've just lost a spouse or not, is it's all just stuff and it might have meaning to you, but it's not going to have meaning necess- the same meaning to the people you leave it behind for. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think about how much money, for example, we spent on, he spent on movies. He probably had 4,000 movies. <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. That's and maybe crazy. 300, 400, 500 TV shows on CD, on, on DVD. Uh-huh. Um, because, you know, it might not stay on Netflix forever. <laughs> Just <laughs> me crazy. Um, and then there was the closet in our house. And you don't have to use all of this story, but there was a closet in my house that was top to bottom, floor to ceiling, Legos. Oh, wow. Sorted mostly by size, shape, and color. <laughs> wow. Some of the bigger sets, like the big expensive sets, like the, they have now, like the Death Star and, the, and all the, the big sets, were in sets. But I spent eight months in my basement sorting those back into their associated sets and selling them. And I made, wow. I don't, should I tell you? I made $23,000 oh on Legos. <laughs> now, granted, most of those had appreciated quite well in the 20 or 30 years that he had them, but still yeah. it was Legos. And here's kind of the sad thing. I asked my boys, I said, do you want any of these Legos? And they said, well, why? Because dad never let us play with them. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's, if, if there is only one takeaway from this, this episode is, it's all just stuff and it yeah. might be your treasures, but it's going to be, it's going to be your descendants trash. So yeah. don't saddle them with it. I went through my anger phase of grieving downstairs, going through those Legos. <laughs> I kept his name in vain so many times. Robert, I'm going to get you for these Legos. <laughs> <laughs> so this seems like, after his passing, obviously a big time of, of reflecting, you, you mentioned, you know, realizing what our needs and what our wants and how you made this realization that, you know, these, this is just stuff. Uh, what was the biggest change that you made? Uh, oh my 
after his passing. (laughs) Well, I'm coming to you live from San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) I am in San Antonio, Texas because my oldest son married a girl from Texas. And when he graduated from physical therapy school, he got a job here. After Rob passed, Eldon and Jessica and my son, Jason, who lives with me, mostly Eldon and Jessica, were really lobbying me to come here. Oh. To, to be close to them because they have two little girls. Um, they really lobbied me, lobbied me to come here so we could all be together mm. so that I could be closer to them, have more time with my grandkids, not have to travel so much to see them. And that took me almost, well, it took me about a year to decide and another year to um, actually implement. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to decide for the first year because everyone always tells you don't make any big, huge decisions that first year. Yeah. Because you're going back and forth. Your emotions are going here and there and everywhere. Uh-huh. You don't, you know, you don't know what you want sometimes. So it, it took me about a year to decide. Um, they said, you know, cause I work for a school district. I'm a technology support specialist for, um, a school district, the same sort of job that I had in Utah. Uh-huh. Well, similar job. Um, and they said, they have schools here, mom, you can come get the same kind of job and you can be close to the babies. And I don't need as big a house as I had in Utah. So I said, okay. Um, but it took me a year to decide and then a year to downsize and get rid of everything I didn't want to bring and uh-huh. get the house on the market and get a house here and actually move here. Wow. So it's a process. It's a huge process. Um, and it's not been an easy process. We lived in Utah for eight years that time around. We also lived in Utah for 10 years while we were in college and just a little bit after college. And we had lots of friends there. And my family in Las Vegas was six hours down the, the road. You know, yeah. hop on I-15 and you're there. Uh-huh. Um, the only people I knew out here in Texas were my kids and grandkids. Yeah, big change. <laughs> it was a huge change. Um I will not discuss my feelings on, on Texas summers, but Texas winters are great. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, you know, but that was a huge change. Um, and even though it's been a hard change and even though there are days that I think the only thing good about being here is being with my family, I would do it again. Yeah. Because I know this was the right choice because everything fell into place. Um, I, one other piece of advice, if you're going to sell your house, wait a year to be sure you want to sell your house, but then do it within that second year. Because if you do it before the two-year anniversary of your spouse's passing, you get to claim their $250,000 capital gains exemption as well as your own. Wow, you're so smart. We just did an episode on this. <laughs> I didn't know that until I did my taxes just a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. My accountant says, well, since you closed four days before Rob's second anniversary of his death, you get to have his his exemption too. I didn't even know that when I put the house on the market. Yeah, wow. So that's another piece of advice. If you're going to sell, do it within those two years. Yeah. Because that made a lot of difference on my taxes. I didn't have to pay anything on the sale of my house. Yeah, that makes sense. So during that first year of making the decision... What were some of the things you were thinking about? I mean, 12 months seems like a long time, but like you said, your husband just passed away. So what what were some of the things that you were considering? Why did you feel like it needed to be a full year? Um, 
Well, I think you need it to be a full year just so that your general emotions about it um, have have sort of calm calmed down, if you will. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're in the, the heat of it, when you're making all these decisions, where is he going to be buried? When is he going to be buried? How, you know, all that stuff. How am I going to you know get a credit card back in my name? Um, you're not really <laughs> thinking super clearly. Yeah. So you just you just need a little bit of time and a little bit of perspective. Um, I really debated: Do I go move to Las Vegas where all my family is? Do I move? You know, my mom, my sisters, my brother. You know, friends I had in high school forty years ago. Do I go to Texas to be with my grandkids? And I chose Texas mainly because I wanted my grandkids to know me and to know their grandpa, so I could tell them stories about their grandpa. Yeah. I didn't move here for the financial opportunity and Nicole probably thinks I'm nuts because I <laughs> a big loss of salary to come to this job, this job, yeah. which is my favorite. Um, but I have a smaller house. I have no house payment. I have um, fewer bills. I feel like, and sometimes it's not about the money. Sometimes it's about being with your family. Yeah. And so I feel like all of these things lined up. My household at just the right time, not just for taxes, but to take advantage of the market. I got this house here at just the right time. Um, I found a job at just the right time. Everything has lined up and it's you know, almost like a big red arrow pointing towards this place at this time in my life. So while money is an important consideration, it's also not the only consideration. Yeah, and you mentioned that um some of these financial lessons really haven't been about money for you. Like you said, learning that all these things that were in your house, they didn't really matter. They didn't bring you happiness. And now moving to Texas, you realize that it's not all just about the money. Uh, What would you say? You've already given a lot of advice to maybe someone in your situation who's recently lost a spouse, but what, what would you say is the most important thing to do? after losing a spouse? You really need to take a lot of time to reflect. And, and that's separate from, from the grieving process. You're going to grieve regardless, but take some time to reflect. This is, it's interesting time because for the first time in my adult life, I met Rob just before I turned 18. Wow. We didn't get married until I was 20, but I met him just before I turned 18. So he's Uh the only person I have really, we've been together my entire adult life. Yeah. So it was the only, it was the first time in my adult life that it was what I wanted. Uh What was best for me, not what's best for us. Uh Um, and that is a hard mindset to, to switch into, you know, it took me a long time to, to quit using those plural, um, pronouns, the we, the us, yeah. Um, and me and to go to, to go to me and I, um, that's a huge mindset and it takes a while to wrap your head around. Yeah. Um, you know, for weeks I was thinking, Oh, I should text Rob and tell him that. Well, I can't because oh, <laughs> yeah. I can, but he won't answer. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was, that was the biggest thing for me to, to get my head around was I'm now making plans for me. Um, yeah. And that's not a bad thing. And for a while you think, oh, I shouldn't feel excited about the plans for the future because Rob's not here enjoying. Well, you know what? I've got to have my own happiness. Yeah. 
you know, I'm young enough that I've got probably, well, I don't want to even guess how many years, but I've, I've got years <laughs> ahead of me where it is just going to be me and my kids and my grandkids. Yeah. But what's best for me? Um, and how can I achieve my goals while still honoring his memory? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of why I moved to Texas. Like I said, I want to be able to tell my kids the stories of their grandpa. Yeah. Um, and be close to them and help my boys. Cause my boys were 23 and 26 when their dad died. Yeah. And that's super young to lose that your father yeah, too young. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the main thing is just, you got to figure out what's going to work for you now and realize that this is your life going forward and you can decide for yourself and it's okay that that decision is just for you. It's a huge mental shift it is. Uh, to go yeah. through, especially, you know, being married for 33 years and making that big of a change of, you know, it had always been the two of you. And then to make that mental shift, that's a, a challenge. Yeah. And you talked, I, I wanted to ask you about this. You've talked, you've touched on it a few times, but you talked about wanting to uh, help your children and grandchildren remember Rob. Uh, what do you do, try and do to honor him uh, and remember his legacy? Well, my grandchildren are pretty little right now. I have a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old and a, a nine-month-old. The nine-month-old oh, yeah. was born on grandpa's birthday. Sorry. Oh, that's Okay. That's so she sweet. On, Rob, on Rob's birthday. And so every year we'll have a reason to celebrate grandpa on Kobe's birthday. We will. Um, and we have pictures in the house. Um, and his mom just passed away and I just got boxes and boxes of pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I have pictures of Rob in every stage of his life. And I'm showing those to my oldest granddaughter and saying, Hey, do you know who that is? Who's that with you? You know, there's your daddy. Who's that with daddy? So I just think you bring him up in, in ways, whatever you can. Yeah. But one thing I've done with a little help from his mother before she passed and with a little help from some of our friends, he was a ballroom dancer at BYU. Oh, wow. Um, he was on the touring company and he toured with them and he competed. He was nationally ranked. So, um, we've set up a scholarship at BYU under his name. Oh, it's, how cool. And depending on the year and the needs of the team, it either goes towards the, the fees associated with touring. Cause they go on a tour every summer for about three to four weeks, or it's a half tuition scholarship for, I believe a semester. Um, and so that's his legacy in the ballroom community. Um, how cool. but with his family, I really feel like it's just telling those stories and um, finding the commonalities as the as the girls get over older and get into more interest more different interests. Um, well, you know, that's just something your grandpa liked to do too. Uh huh. You know, just trying to make him be a little more than just a picture in an album. Yeah, and telling those stories. One thing I did was I started writing down all those stories. Oh, that's awesome. Um. And I'm, and I interviewed his mother before she passed away and got some of his childhood stories. So that, I mean, we're not doing anything big or grand other than the scholarship. It's just keeping him in our home. Yeah. And reminding the girls about him. Um, 
Eldon, my oldest has become a really, he's gotten into woodworking, which is one of Rob's other big things. Oh, um, So it's kind of nice to have him carrying on that legacy. And, you know, some of the things he's made for his house has been using wood that was in his dad's wood shop. Yeah. So we have those ties as well. I don't know if that's what you wanted when you asked me that question. That's what we're doing. (laughs) No, I think that's so, that's really special how you've really incorporated that into your family and especially your, your granddaughter being born on his birthday. That's really special. Um, That actually happened in my family too. My Two of my brothers are born on my grandma's birthday and she just, she just passed away. So anyway, and it's always easy to remember her birthday because my two brothers have the same one. So yeah. it, it is very nice. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's supposed to be that way. So I know it's not, it's not a coincidence. I know grandpa was like, go down there now. So <laughs> we, so you'll remember me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that's very, very cool. What would you want the world to know about Rob? How did he impact your life? How did he not? Um, <laughs> He loved everyone and everything. Um, He was very enthusiastic. He did nothing halfway. And that was both good and bad because he put his whole focus and energy into something. He would knock it out of the park. Um, But on maybe the flip side of that coin, it was anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And that's why it took me eight months to get rid of all those Legos Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the, all the collecting that he did. Um, But I knew the minute I met him that he was going to be part of my life. Wow. I knew that, you know, it, it didn't happen right away, but I knew the minute I met him, that this was going to be someone who was going to be part of my life. And I mean, he was everything. I think a lot of spouses would say the same thing, but he was everything. We were a team. We, we raised a family together. We were looking forward to the next phase. He was actively trying to make it to that next phase. And that wasn't what was supposed to, what was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, And I get to remember him and, learn from him about how to love everyone and everybody because he was and his family and his parents were the same way. They, they were the most accepting people I'd ever met and um, loved you no matter what. So, and that was Rob too. Wow. That's, he sounds uh, like a very wonderful person and what a privilege it was for, for you to have him so close for 33 years. It's awesome. Uh, Absolutely. Is there is there anything else that we've left out? Any major lessons or anything else that you want to share before we close? I made a list. Let me just be sure I got through all my list. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I think that's it. Really, um, I can't really stress enough. I don't care how old you are, and I need to really pound this into my kids, especially my son who's married. You need to have a will. You need mm. to have a trust. The, the difference in what we went through with my dad, who did not have a will, who did not have a trust, who did not even have a list of passwords for us to break into his things, versus Rob, who we had all of those things set up, was mm-hmm. night 
and day. Save your children, your grandchildren, the, the hassle. Um, have your affairs in order. If you are married, if you have children, now's the time to have a will. Even if you have to change it as children are born or whatever, now's the time to have those documents because especially in this world, you do not know. Um, now's the time to go through your closets and get rid of all the stuff you don't want. Um, I could, we could fill another podcast on my sons who spent a week in Washington state in January helping to empty his, their grandparents' home. That wow. had been the home for 61 years. Oh, wow. You don't want to know how much stuff they had to go through. <laughs> and they came home, both of them saying, wow, we don't want anybody in the family to go through what we just went through. Because it was backbreaking. It was hard and it was emotional all rolled into one. Yeah. So take stock of your life, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are. Nicole, you too. You better have a will. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have your affairs in order because that really made all the difference to me was everything was ready to go. I knew who to call. I knew who could help me. I knew what we had and what, um, and how to get, how to access it. Yeah. And I didn't spend a minute in probate because it was all in the will. I didn't have to worry where my next meal was coming from because it was all set up. So yeah, put yourselves, get your life in order on paper and in your closets and <laughs> your, your family will thank you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. It was really wonderful to hear your story, to hear what you've overcome. And I just love your attitude of confidence and just never backing down from from the challenge. I think losing a spouse can be scary financially and you just really rose to the occasion. So appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Well, it was my pleasure. I was a little nervous about it, but I I feel good having told y'all about it. So I hope it's it's helpful um, to to your listeners. So I will say I've appreciated working with Nicole and and y'all for... It's been a while now, probably eight, years. Seven, seven or eight years. Yeah, um, and it's made a, a ton of difference. So I'm very grateful. Oh well, we're glad to hear that. And <clears throat> speaking of that, we do need to disclose that Marie is a client of Rock House Financial, and that she was not paid for this episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.